Welcome to the Dental Amigos podcast with Dr. Paul Goodman and attorney Rob Montgomery, taking you behind the scenes of the dental business world, all the things you didn't learn in dental school but wish you had. Rob is not a dentist and Paul is not a lawyer, but since Rob is a lawyer, we need to tell you that this podcast is for informational purposes only and shouldn't be considered legal advice. Listening to this podcast does not and will not create an attorney-client relationship. As is always the case, you should formally consult with legal counsel before proceeding with any legal matter. Learn more about The Dental Amigos at www.thedentalamigos.com. And now, here are the Dental Amigos. Hello, everyone. I'm Rob Montgomery. I'm joined, as always, by the head nacho himself, Dr. Paul Goodman. Great to be here, Rob. It's good to see you, Paul. And welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Dental Amigos here in season number two of our reformatted uh, thing we're doing. Yeah, yeah. It's great, great value. Uh, So we're talking about associate agreements from a practice owner's perspective. Today, we're talking about the all-important topic in any employment relationship, Money. Right. How much am I going to get paid? You know, <laughs> how much am I buy, paying? Whenever right? you present something at your home, Rob, that you want to get, it could be on either side. How much does it cost? Is a very important question. So, yeah. You know, how am I going to be compensated? How are you going to compensate your associate, the practice owner? Uh, really important episode. Yeah. Right. And so, compensation, we're talking about the money for services, but we'll also talk a little bit about uh, fringe benefits um, as well. So, uh, Obviously, we'll start with like the easy stuff, yeah. right? So a lot of uh, associates are going to get paid on a percentage of collections or a percentage of production. Uh, and with that, you know, there are different sort of nuances. You, Paul, I know, uh, are a big proponent of what we used to call the daily minimum, yeah. but now you're I moving away from that. I might reframe it a little bit. I mean, I think... What's a bit nacho nuts to use the term for me is that, you know, I was a restaurant server for many years. I also worked at a place called Bloomberg early days. And, you know, Bloomberg, they paid me hourly for whatever I did. You know, if I did more, I got the same. If I did less and took some snacks, he's big into snacks, Bloomberg. I appreciated that. I got the same. You snacks know. come with it? Or yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he was he was ahead of his time with how he treated team members. You could walk yeah. in and get Snapple and popcorn anytime you wanted. So I did. I do remember that well. I appreciate that. But as a restaurant server, I knew that I got paid two bucks an hour. If it was busy, I was going to make money. If it wasn't busy, I wasn't going to make money. And I think it's unfair to associates to put so much of this commission-based you know, stress on them when they don't have relationships with the patients. They right. don't know the team yet. They're just getting started. So I think having some type of income guarantee, what I call no matter what income, is good for the relationship. You know, I, I, I don't know if I'm the best leader ever, Rob, but your team not being able to sure if they can afford their rent seems like not a good place for your team to be, right? Right. 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 So I kind of call it the NMW no matter what amount of money. I did, the daily guarantee is popular to say like 500 bucks a day. I know these are in your agreements, $600 a day, no matter what. But it creates sometimes I've seen, and we can, you know, banter about this, if you're just getting an associate started and you say, I'm going to give you $600 on Monday and they're a third of what they do is only 200. Then on Tuesday, a third of what they do is 900. Sometimes they want 600 plus 900, which I see makes sense mathematically. Right. Right. But if you just reframe it a little bit in a relationship based way, because we like to onboard, we like to train. Sometimes we like to have our associates simply watch the more seasoned dentist and we want to pay them, you know, right. to see how things work. Um, I don't know, you know, how it works here at, at YDL, but I know, I know there's no one really banging a gavel in a courtroom, but you probably wouldn't have your first associate come in and say, go into that courtroom and defend that person, right? right, right. I know that's a, you know, go into there's, this call there's, and, there's and do the APA, right? Totally, mentorship process. And, and you yeah. want them to be paid for that. So I think of thinking of a yearly guarantee, you know, just as an example, I can say it for the podcast, if you're an owner, say to someone, 
you're going to work here 200 days for the year. We're going to make a contract for the year, you know, work with the dental folks to turn. You're going to make $120,000 no matter what. And at the end of the year, we're going to add up and take a third of what you have made and pay you the extra. If there's no extra, you just keep the 120. Mm -hmm. And if they collected 600 and a third of that was 200, then they would get a check for $80,000. Right. Now in the real world here, Rob, most people don't want to wait the whole year to cut that check. Right. So there is a no, check. Nor do they. Nor do the associates when not want to wait. Want to wait? Yes. Time. So, it, so there would be a check-in process throughout the year to reconcile this. Right. Our practice is not the best practice ever, but this is just how we do it with a reconciliation type of process where both parties know that this is pretty much the deal, mm -hmm. and most of our associates the guarantee part is not a factor anymore, but it's still there as a safety net to make them feel like, hey, no matter what, I'm going to make this amount of money working there. Mm -hmm. And I think it could be as simple as that, but we can talk more because dentists don't like simple, Rob. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> that's it. So really, you're talking about a, a guaranteed minimum, but it's just the measuring reconciliation point, you know, period is is, is longer. Yeah. You know, to, to sort of deal with the, the ups and the downs. Right. Which that makes sense, too. Um, I mean, even from a monthly standpoint, there's some months that are going to be better. Right. And, and and so with, with that, too, you also talk about whether or not it's a guaranteed minimum or if it's a draw. Yeah, you know? yeah the word draw is bad to me, and I know it's bad to you. I, to me, I think, and you can even help me deepen my understanding, we did have an awesome associate over the pandemic time that didn't come back to work with us for a variety of reasons, none bad, and we did not claw any money back. We had, she was, we had paid her more in the guarantee than what would have been reconciled on right. the 33%. Mm -hmm. But we said, awesome, loved working with you. If you got 80 and your thing said 60, well, that was the guarantee and you got 80. Right. So, you know, we put our money where our mouth is and this, you know, I said, right. and we just right. said, so that to me, draw seems like you could want to claw money back, but I don't know if that's, you know. Right, well, it depends if it's a recoverable draw or a non-recoverable yeah. draw. So a recoverable draw is if, if you have been drawing and then at the end of the, the period, there's a shortfall from the practice's perspective, then the practice has the ability to get it back. But yeah, as we've talked about in other, other contexts, you know, having the ability to go after your associate right. to, to recover money is not usually a good place to be yeah. um, for a number of reasons. One, it doesn't really create a, a great relationship. Uh, and two, they may not have the money. For sure. So, um, but uh, I like the idea of the, uh, of the daily minimum. Yeah, I mean, with, if you're a practice owner listening, you know, these are, you were a young dentist once, or maybe even not a young dentist, you had bills. I just don't want people to feel working with me, but for me to feel uncomfortable. Like if it's not busy, I'm not going to make money. If it's right. busy, I'm going to make And then also sometimes there creates this weird, the feast or famine mind, mindset that right. just, it's not, I don't think it's a very healthy one for a dental environment, you know? Right. You know, I mean, if I serve, when I was a server, if like a bunch of bachelor and bachelorette parties came in and they all ordered extra nachos and margaritas. That's kind of like a fun extra way to make money. Yeah. In this dental world, I think sometimes there's just too much of this commission-based culture built into it. Well, and I think, yeah, and I think I agree. And I think that's the case with any professional too, that I think it, it stuns and discourages mentorship, you know, and <clears throat> mentorship, you know, kind of coming the other way, you know, the, the young associate, uh, participating in the mentorship process because, you know, there are certain things, as you said, you want them to learn, you want them to observe, you know, this is part of the process to, for them to, to develop professionally. Right. And if, 
every day their decisions and, and their mindset and kind of what they do and don't do is based purely on how can I maximize my profit right. today or how can I maximize my salary? Like I could watch Dr. Goodman do this procedure or assist or, or take time to, to learn what's going on here, but I'm not going to make any right. money. So instead, like I can go, you know, crank out whatever, you know, four fillings and I'll make more right. money doing that. But then they don't learn how to do. I'd rather more this question be asked, you know, and I know some of this, you know, I don't believe the everybody gets a trophy argument. All those people are right. Or the nobody gets a trophy unless you're the absolute winner is right. You know, there's probably a middle ground here. Right. You know, some of the things I've seen with my own nieces and nephews and my own just like, instead of asking your kids what they get on a test, you could maybe say like, who, who did you help today? Right. Like right. who did you make as a new friend? Like maybe we just overvalue these metrics that are just not healthy. So, you know, I, it, sort of bothers me that Dennis say, what'd you produce today? Instead of saying, who did you help today? Especially mm -hmm. for associates, Rob. Yeah. The practice owner, you got to keep the place in business. Sure. You got to pay everybody. You have different thoughts, right? But if you're an associate, I'd rather the conversation be like, who did you help today? What did you learn today? Yes, you're getting this guarantee. They got their whole practice owner life to worry about all this profitability stuff. I would like them to feel a little bit different, secure, and not as focused on the commission as associates. Yeah. But, you know, that's that's the challenge, you know, and we, we talk about this in, in a lot of different settings that, you know, being the practice owner, the business owner and the professional. Yeah. Right. You know, like there's those two things are oftentimes at odds, you know, and, and as listening to you say that, you know, who did you help today versus how much did you produce today? That that's really where the intersection yeah. of that issue. And it's a tricky one because as you said, as a practice owner, you have to make a certain right. amount of money. But, you know, and, and I'm, you know, I'm not gonna sound like, you know, rainbows and unicorns at this, but the reality is over the long haul, you know, you will be a happier practice right. owner, a happier professional when you're 40, 50, 60, if it is about helping people with certain, obviously, sure. revenue and, and money things baked into that that are happening. But if like if your sole focus on a daily basis is that number, right. then I mean, there's no, first off, there's no end to it, right? Because right. It's because you know how do you improve? It's a off game of that's impossible, impossible to win. And right. you know we, we've seen this, and you know just to, you've seen this with people who weigh themselves every day, trying to make sure my weight's down. Maybe you were a swimmer, Rob. Maybe you've seen people, you know, become obsessed with their swimming scores. You've seen people do this, and it's almost like they create this game that's impossible to satisfy themselves. Right. But in the process, we're talking practice owner to associate. You want to find the right associate for you. I mean, compensation, getting back to this is, I, I'll say a lot of times in the interview, you know, what are three questions that a practice owner can ask? And one of them should be, you know, we. I know you're a new dentist. I know there's a lot of debt. I know there's a lot of, of challenges. What are your income expectations? Because here, most of our associates have earned between one hundred and forty dollars to $180,000. That's authentic to my practice, right, Rob? Right. And I know by saying that, there's people sitting there going, I got three kids. I went to dental school at 30. I, I can't work here, right? Right. And then there's other people saying, mm, that sounds good to me. Right. So that's why your compensation, it doesn't have to be a a point of bragging or or this it just should be something to set expectations just like we talked about with other parts of the agreement. Yeah. No, and that's that's an important thing with any relationship going into it, having, yeah. you know, consistent expectations. Yeah, because if you're looking for a job that pays two X of that, then you know, that's just and also, doomed to fail. I used to think, you know, I, I'm going to move soon. You know, and like I have my wedding suit and I would definitely need to lose like 10 pounds to get into my wedding suit. So that means I'm not like 
crazy out of shape, but like I would have to work hard to do that. And then if I could only ever wear my wedding suit, Rob, I'd have to like keep up some pretty strict habits. So I'm using this for your practice owners and associates. You know, if you set these income expectations that are above $200,000, make sure you're setting them on people who can meet those expectations. Mm. Because that's not always easy to do. Do they have the skill set? Do they have the patient communication skills? Do they have the team management skills? So sometimes also practice owners saying, here, you can make $250,000 a year. Make sure you're finding the right person when you have that type of compensation. Right. Because I'm sure it works the same in law. You have to, that, that associate is going to need certain skills to meet that. Right. Oh, absolutely. And, and, but that goes back to too, like good mentorship as right. well. Right. I mean, you may not make money at that clip initially, but I can get you there. Yeah, if you grow we, into it. If we, yeah, take the time and, and go through the mentorship process and, and be realistic about what you're making. And then, you know, over the long haul, you'll be a better dentist who has a greater income. And I want to share one potential. thing before we go to the percentage part. A lot of the people online will say, I don't like to give my associates guarantees because that makes them lazy. And I just will tell you that has never happened to me in 10 dentists working. We give guarantees to our specialists, right? So we have guarantees that have ranged from 600 to over $2,000 a day. Yeah. And I'm not saying we have a perfect culture, but if you give someone a guarantee and it makes them lazy, you have to take a look at your leadership style. Yeah, you have to take a look at bigger your problems, but your bigger problems. <laughs> so that's sort of like, a, to me, a myth. Right. Yeah. I just think a guarantee makes people feel good about the position. Yeah. And then we can talk about the percentages where they can do better than that. Yeah. Well, and I like what you're saying. I mean, that that does if that is the the sole focus, um, then there there is a there is a bigger problem right. in the practice with you know you, with the leadership and just the message generally. Because if everybody is just going into the office every day with the sole purpose of maximizing their 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 profit yeah. and their revenue that i can't even imagine that would be a horrible environment to work in. be funny a bad story. place to be a patient my, my dad and his partner you know they were dentists through the 70s and 80s and there was like a common um you know their team bonuses it's become more of like you know like tell your team they get like five percent if you reach over this goals well that backfired on one dentist because i think like he had a you know, was tired and they're like, get out of your office and get back to producing because we want to make our 5%. Right. But you're, you made me think of that because that culture has uh, negative aspects to it too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it sounds great in the short term that you're going to incentivize in quotes, right. you know, people to make more money, but it, you know, how sustainable is that? And yeah. is that really an environment that's going to be healthy for, for everybody? So as we talk about that percentage of collections versus production, I mean, it's definitely good to have some sort of guaranteed payment, uh, especially in a PPO practice yeah. where there's going to be a lag before sure. money's going to come in. Um, and, you know, the percentage is going to depend on the nature of the practice, the experience level of the dentist. Uh, we also have lab fees, yeah. you know, which, uh, you know, our thought with that generally is that you take the 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 collections and then subtract the lab fees and then multiply that. which means you know this is causes a lot of confusion out there i know it's caused confusion in agreements you know it's like that means the associate is essentially responsible for the same percentage of what they're getting paid they're not paying a hundred percent someone just like paying a hundred percent of your lab fees you could actually lose money associate doing a procedure right Practice owner, if you say you want to do 0%, that seems to be incredibly generous, but just make sure you're looking at your procedure mix properly. But in our office, if there's a $2,000 uh, 
implant crown and the lab fee is $500, they're making 33% of the 1500, right. right? So I know you call it net collections and there's a, somehow there's a lot of words when people still can't embrace them. <laughs> we refer to this as dentist algebra, Paul. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For whatever reason, this is a <clears throat> this is a tricky one. So, yeah, 35% of 2000 minus uh 500 is yeah. the same thing as 35% of 2000 minus 35% of 500, right? right? Yes. And we've had some knockdown drag out debates <laughs> yeah. with people that how could that be? It's almost like this parlor trick that we can show like, yes, yes, here. Yeah. And you write it down and are like, that can't be. Give me another example. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, no, this is it's yes. like, it's like a card trick. But um, yeah, I mean, generally what you're looking at is, or sometimes we'll also hear people say, well, I don't deduct for lab. Well, I, I, I don't know how you, you cannot do that. Right. Like that doesn't make any sense. I mean, the, the, you're making the money that's actually being received after you're paying somebody else. That's what we're talking about. That, and I, I want to point this out because this goes a lot of fights. Sometimes they say we shouldn't pay lab bills because we don't pay anesthetics and we don't pay to keep the light on. But it just, let me just take one 60 seconds and explain to practice owners the materials impact on procedures like a dental implant or a crown are different than a filling. So you're not asking your associate to pay to keep the lights on. You're not asking your associate to pay for cotton rolls. What you're explaining in an authentic way is their procedures that have materials fees that make them different than just doing a filling. Right. And it just should be something that's harmonious, but this causes a lot of conflict because some associates <laughs> say, well, am I supposed to pay for this? They said, no, it's just the materials fees impact certain procedures differently. And specialists are all on board with this. You know, you have a specialist in your office and you pay them 50% minus 50% of their lab, like, okay, I produced $10,000, there's $2,000 of implants, I made 50% 8,000, right? right? We're both sharing in that impact of the materials. I think we just rephrased it and called it economic impact of the materials. They'd say, <laughs> okay, I'll do that. Right, right, yeah, that makes sense. And I, I think, and that's generally what most people do. Well, there are outliers, of yeah. course, um, pioneers of sorts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, so then other issues, uh, obviously, we talk about benefits, yeah. right? So if you have a uh, an employee who's a full-time employee, generally they need to receive the same benefits that other full-time yeah. employees are. And so offering uh, health insurance, perhaps, uh, uh, CE reimbursement, uh, reimbursing for uh, professional dues yeah. and things like that. There's some of the other, you know, fringe benefits that. Yeah, for uh, sure. I've seen all those different things. That's why you just evaluate each, you know, practice owners, create something where, you know, the courtships is the compensation, you know, a guarantee, then some sort of percentage of adjusted production. These norms usually are between 28 and 35%. You know, there's so much reactive drama. Someone will write on my group, Rob, I'm being offered 29%. Doesn't that stink? I go, I don't know if you're collecting a million dollars a year. That's pretty good. Yeah. You want 35% of 500 or 29% of a million. And I, you know, but practice owners just recognize that, you know, getting someone to be on your team, creating an attractive, attractive compensation agreement that makes sense for you and the associate is going to be a, a win in getting them to want to work for you. Yeah, and I think, and that's, and I think, attractive to and clear, right? You know, and clear, yeah. Like you know, sometimes we'll look at associate agreements when we're reviewing them from the associates uh, side, 
And I can find myself like it's like 15 minutes. I'm looking at this formula to determine compensation. And like, it's not making sense yeah. to me. And like and and you know, not tooting my horn, Paul, but like I do this, right? right like yeah, if I yeah, yeah, if it takes yeah, me yeah. that long to figure this out, then something is not being yeah, stated yeah. clearly. Like you should just be able to look and say, oh, that's what that means. Right. This is how it applies. Why is this so complicated, right? So you know, it needs to be clear. It needs to be transparent because right. you know these are somewhat quasi partnership arrangements. Yeah. Again, you know, be, by virtue of the way associates are paid, even if you've got these guaranteed minimums, you still are sort of partners in this, yeah. in that they are being paid based on the amount of work you're able to give them, the amount that they're be able to produce, and so you know, in, in any partnership, you want there to be an understanding. You know? And what and, else here? Let me I think. This oh, thought. sorry. So when, if you have two parties that could look at whether it's a partnership agreement, an associate agreement, and look at a provision and come away with a different interpretation, right. that is a dispute. And disputes are bad right. in employer-employee relationships, in partnership relationships. And so it's really important to make these these provisions, especially these provisions, clear and understandable. So everybody knows so what we're doing going into it. So that's good, but you should use that example. I was like, you know, I'm like, a, if an oral surgeon has a long time getting out of tooth, there's a problem. If Rob Montgomery has a hard time figuring out what your compensation is, that's a, that's a problem because yeah. you do this all the time. And I'm just sort of sharing that practice owners, you know, you've had an office manager for many years. You've had hygienists, you've had assistants. This is the first time for many of you you're going to have another licensed dentist working on these patients that work with you. Please put the attention on them that you do sometimes on front desk team number three. Yeah. You know, because for some reason, sometimes associates feel like these outliers and these off on this island where it's like almost this adversarial relationship with compensation when it should be one that's harmonious to both of them and just yeah. outline and be clear. I mean, I said a lot of us, I mean, the first thing is like, hey, if you would work with us full time, you're probably going to make the equivalent of like $150,000 a year. You're going to grow from there. Is that something that fits into your life? And they say, oh, that does. Or they say, no, it doesn't. So, I mean, just be upfront about it. Mm -hmm. Instead of some weird smoke and mirrors, you might make 28% above $60,000. And then you get above $62,000. It's 29.2%. Uh, Who has this yeah, time to figure this yeah, stuff out? Yeah. Well, that's just it. Like, there's a lot of these things. I was having a, client, a conversation with a client earlier today about, Different formulas for splitting profit and uh, in a partnership arrangement. It's like at a certain point, how much brain damage are you willing yeah. to do to like deal with like a few thousand dollar right. difference? You know, and like it could take on a life of its own without really being a material number. For sure. So, last thing I want to talk about, just because we're seeing this kind of creeping into the uh, obviously in the corporate world, the DSO world. You know, which obviously uh, owner operators are in competition with yeah. those corporate groups to hire associates are signing bonuses. Yeah. So we see uh, where signing bonuses are paid oftentimes in, in a corporate environment. Um, <clears throat> we'll say to the owner operators out there, know that that doesn't come without strings attached, right. right? So if that's something that you feel like you need to do, it may be a good idea from a business standpoint, but there are strategies that you want to employ to make sure right. that that person stays around because you don't want to pay somebody a twenty or $30,000 signing bonus to find out that three months later right. they've, they've moved on. So um, there are ways to, to hold that money back perhaps. Uh, to you could possibly treat it as a loan. Sometimes that can be a funky thing, yeah. but you know, be careful about that. Yeah. Uh, be aware that it's a thing, 
and it might be a thing that that works for you in certain circumstances. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, I, I, someone who works, you know, the founder of Job Connect and helping people do this, I see this come up. And I right now in my mindset, it's you know, seems like a nice perk, but dig into what that perk looks like because yeah. I've also got all the messages of someone wants my signing bonus back. Right? Do you think if I leave before the end of the contract, I got to pay back the signing bonus? I write back, I'm not an attorney. But it sounds like you do. Right? Maybe, I mean, right. I mean, I don't know if I was like, Rob, here's five thousand dollars to my friend for a year. You don't be my friend after six months. It's probably have to pay something back. I don't. I don't. Right. I, don't I mean, I, 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 I look at your agreement, but you know, but I'm that's good. kind of a good point on both sides, especially yeah. the practice owner. You know, I would think if I was offering it, I am just offering it as this great perk. You know, here's five thousand dollars. You finish your program. You have no money. Mm -hmm. If I, I've never done this before. You know, the higher it gets. Part of me sometimes I think it just seems a little off, right? right. You know, where someone wants to outlay thirty thousand dollars to have you come work for you them as an associate for one hundred twenty thousand dollars, but right. maybe in some areas that are hard to fill, it really is a good moving bonus, or people can start to pay their first and last month on an apartment type of thing. Mm -hmm. Well, oftentimes it's it's a sort of a, a uh, we'll call it in quotes retention uh, yeah. strategy for for corporate groups that are having trouble hiring people and. Uh, it makes it difficult for the associate to leave without penalty, which right. is what what they're looking to do. Um, but I think you know there is some value, and, and there are times where it may make sense from a, in an owner operator uh, practice, where you have to also take into consideration who the dentist is. You know, right. if if you say I'm not going to pay this person a twenty thousand dollar signing bonus, and there's somebody that's been practicing for five or six years that could come in and step in right away and, and be a, a great contributor yeah. who's going to help make way more than that for you in year one. But instead of bringing on that more mid-level associate with a signing bonus, I'm not going to pay a signing bonus. I'm going to hire this person fresh out of dental school. Right. Like you may not be saving money off of right. that. You know, you may make whatever that signing bonus is in the first couple of months from somebody that's a more experienced sure. dentist. So. To your point, there's no this. It depends on the situation. You know, every there's no sort of right answer for this, or no universal yeah. way to do it. You know, it depends on your practice. It depends on the associate that you're looking to to hire. Yeah, but it's good for sense. owner operators know that they're out there. That's something you might have to compete against and be aware. And maybe it's something that makes sense for you, but just do it with purpose and understanding. Yeah, and 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 I think it's good, as you said, know that it's out there. Yeah, and know what it is and what it isn't. And 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 again, if if a young associate says, "Yeah, I'm going to pay," uh, they're going to pay me thirty thousand dollars as a signing bonus to go work at, you know, national. Dental is us, you know, and uh, maybe you need to say, well, how much time do you have to give them for that? Right. You know, if you leave within the first three years, you have to pay that money back. Like, do you realize that? You know, you're, you're kind of renting that money, and if you're not really happy with right. that job, you don't like working for this company. That you're going to end up having to give a whole lot of money back. Yeah. So, you know, you can come work for me, and I'm not going to I'm not going to hold that gun to your head. Yeah, yeah. And sure. you know, I'm I'm going to work with you as you know in a more personal way, and know that hey, the risk here is that you might leave, but I'm going to treat you well here. I'm not yeah. going to basically try to to shackle you to this practice with that you know disincentive of of having to 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 lose or give back money perfect yeah yeah that's uh, you, which that. yeah and we've talked about that in other contexts paul like in the the dso world versus the owner operator world that's very much a type of thing that can exist in a practice yeah. where the person making the decision has doesn't have to go every day yeah right so like if you as the owner operator have a young associate in your practice who doesn't want to be there and the only reason they're there is because they can't afford to pay back 
that signing yeah. bonus, you don't necessarily want that. Right, exactly. Right? And so that is sometimes, you know, that's the difference between, that. between yeah, a, a, a dentist-owned, dentist-managed practice versus a corporate-owned practice. Yes, yeah, totally. So uh, hopefully we got some good, uh, yeah. good things to hopefully think about. some takeaways and, you know, practice owners, you just be aware that, you know, you were a young dentist, compensation is important. Be clear about it, a C word, you know, be uh -huh. caring about it. And, but also just be ready to talk about it. I do just want to share as we wrap up too oftentimes practice owners, associates will come to me and they have no understanding of how they're going to be paid. And that means practice owners, you did not do a good job explaining mm -hmm. how you're yep. going to pay someone. So just take time with your team. As Rob always says, build your team, be purposeful and, you know, get your compensation structure set. Awesome. Well, thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed the episode. And if you did, give us a good review on your favorite podcast outlet. And until the next time, thank you, Paul. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for listening to another great podcast with The Dental Amigos. And don't forget to tune in next time to have the dental business demystified. If you're looking for more information about today's podcast, you can find it on thedentalamigos.com. If you're looking for Paul, you can find Paul at drpaulgoodman.com. And if you're looking for Rob, you can find him at yourdentallawyer.com. This podcast has been sponsored by Orange Line Media Group, helping dentists and other professionals create content people love. Find out how we can help you take your business to the next level at www.orangelinemg.com. Till next time.